Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And sometimes, making yourself as successful as possible actually does entail working for someone else. Um, And so we're going to be talking with a great expert today on interview tips, which, you know, I'll be honest, I don't think I've interviewed for a job in probably 25 years. Um, But we're still going to learn a lot. And as I was reading through your information, I thought, you know, this pertains to all situations. You know, are we interviewing to work with another client? Are we interviewing a client? I mean, all these various things. So fabulous tips. So please join me in welcoming Chris Delaney to our program today. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Debs. I'm really excited to be here. You've got so much energy. I'm liking the monkey in the background. I'm liking the pictures. And I'm loving your amazing smile. We have so much fun. We have so much fun. You know, and it's, it is, you, you got to have a lot of energy. Now I'll admit it's morning here. And so I still have a lot of energy and I know it's afternoon where you are, which is where? Well, Manchester in the UK. So yes, it's afternoon here. Cool. I love it. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will dive into this. So Chris Delaney left school with no qualifications after struggling in education due to being dyslexic and having a terrible lisp. He is now a hypnotherapist and an interview coach at Employment King, which he founded. He is also the author of What is Your Interview Identity? So again, Chris, welcome. Fantastic. It sounds like a great journey, that, doesn't it? Left school, it dyslexic, does. and now we've got a book out. <laughs> I know, I know. I always love it when we when you know, we write our own bios, obviously, but then somehow when somebody else reads them, it's like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like, what the heck? Is that me? <laughs> I know. Who, who the heck are they talking about? You know, and that actually is, you know, uh, some of the things that happens during an interview is we we get so caught up in who we are that we forget to brag about ourselves and, and things like that. But one of the things I want to always find out about my guests is how they got to where they are. I mean, I briefly mentioned it, but tell us a little bit more about how you discovered that this really is your passion in life. Well, I am a dyslexic loser. This is the title I gave myself when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I had to go to a specialist school. I got took out of mainstream school mm-hmm. into a specialist school, back mm-hmm. into mainstream school. And I couldn't read and write that well. Dyslexic is when you see a word, but all the letters mm-hmm. kind of jump about and miss right. about mm-hmm. and, you, and you, you know, you can't really read it. So I left school with no qualifications mm-hmm. and I ended up working in low school jobs, absolutely hating them. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is, this is a horrible career path I'm mm-hmm. going to go down. I'm never going to be successful, never mm-hmm. going to succeed. But I know that I have a passion for helping people. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do, instead of getting paid for that passion, because there's no way I'm going to university, mm-hmm. I'll just go and volunteer. So I used to take um, adults rock climbing and hiking and it's charity. I used mm-hmm. to work with youth groups and scout groups. And I started learning all these skills and techniques to help people be more confident. Mm-hmm. I actually, my first job was one pound an hour. 
Can you believe that, Dad? Oh, one pound an hour. Oh, this is, like, this is how old I am before mm-hmm. minimum wage. So mm-hmm. one pound an hour. So, you know, I've been working in low skill jobs for a couple of years. I'm on one pound 50, you know, and doing Ooh. quite well for myself. Uh, but I get this great opportunity. Mm-hmm. I get the opportunity to learn how to drive a faultless truck. And I'm a hands-on kinesthetic mm-hmm. learner. So I got mm-hmm. onto that truck and I was driving through the warehouse, through the chicane, lifted up the pallets, putting them down. Mm-hmm. I was fantastic. I was the king of mm-hmm. faultless truck driving. You love driving. that forklift so truck. Mm-hmm. I love that faultless truck. It was so good. But a couple of other people on the course was really struggling. And they're struggling because of their nerves and anxiety. We always mm-hmm. get scared of trying something new. Mm-hmm. And the instructor said to me, Chris, you're going to pass the test. Mm-hmm. And they turned around to the other people and said, I think you're going to fail. This guy was not a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. Mm-hmm. So they got really nervous, even more anxious. And I went over and I kind of gave them this technique that I used to use with the adults that we took rock climbing when they're kind of scared of like mm-hmm. going up these big heights. And it's just a visualization technique. And I did it with these uh, colleagues of mine. And they got mm-hmm. on a truck, massively confident, drove for the chicane, lifted up the pallet, put it down, passed the test. Yay! Anyway, a year later, a year later, mm-hmm. The uh, instructor comes down, sees me in my workplace, and he's like, mm-hmm. do you remember who I am? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you're the guy who taught me to drive the faultless mm-hmm. truck. He goes, well, no, I'm the managing director of the organization. Oh! I know. So I was like, oh, okay. The mm-hmm. reason we came, I came down mm-hmm. that day was because the instructor uh, rang an ill and we wanted to make sure you guys got your faultless truck license. Mm-hmm. And I always remember that uh, you had loads of colleagues who was really nervous and scared mm-hmm. and you went over and you whispered something to mm-hmm. him. And we call you the magic whisperer because you whispered something to mm-hmm. him. They became instantly confident and then mm-hmm. passed the test. Every time we have a monthly meeting, we talk about you. Anyway, Chris, we now have an opportunity to take on extra staff. And we want to hire you. And I was wow. like, wow, this more is than a pound amazing. and a half. <laughs> I, well, that's it. I'll be on one pound sixty now. Mm-hmm. But then he said to me, he went, because I was so excited when he said that. And anyway, mm-hmm. the course to be a sportless truck instructor is three thousand pounds. Wow. So I was like, ah, yes. Mm-hmm. One pound sixty an hour, got thirty pounds in the bank. I'm eating mm-hmm. beans and toast for my tea. That's how poor I am at this moment in time. And I thought it's one of those cons in it. Give me £3,000, I do the course, but then there's no job at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And he read all this on my face and mm-hmm. went, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I know what you're thinking. We're mm-hmm. going to pay for that course. We're going to mentor you. We're going to support you. We're going to give you this opportunity because we see something special in you. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, Debs, I think success is often about having a passion, mm-hmm. uh, and but taking those opportunities mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my journey, my story. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, and and the, the thing was you had somebody who supported you, which I think is, is a big part of it too, is, you know, the, the second we start having those little battles in our head with saying, you're not good enough, you can't do this. Why are you even trying to have someone else? And it really doesn't matter what level they are. I mean, clearly he was a very high level, but it, it it's having that outside support system. A lot of times that, that is the difference between, you know, success and failure. We all suffer from imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. We always think that we're not as good as we actually mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need a mentor or a coach mm-hmm. or someone just to kind of ask you those questions to get mm-hmm. you to get you to reflect on mm-hmm. what you do well. So if I was your mentor, Deb, I might sort of say like, what is it you do well in these podcasts? How do you get your guests excited to okay. talk? Mm-hmm. And those questions kind of get you to think, oh, what is it that I mm-hmm. actually do? And that's what you need. You need a time to mm-hmm. have a self-reflect or a mentor and coach to kind of, mm-hmm. kind of ask you those powerful questions. Mm-hmm. So you go... I am good at that, actually. That is something I'm successful at. This Mm -hmm. is how I'm growing throughout my career. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we've talked a lot about imposter syndrome because women especially have it, especially at a a higher level management. 
And it's so interesting that men have it too, because, you know, our, our perception is men are, you know, their egos, they're just, you know, and, and, but as you said, you know, you have just as many challenges. And I think many times what happens with the imposter syndrome is when we were young, somebody thought they were protecting us by kind of starting us down this journey by saying, you know, something like, you know, Chris, because you're dyslexic, you probably shouldn't think about going to college or for a girl, you know, you're a girl. So you shouldn't think about a higher math or, you know, all these various things. And they really were trying to protect us. But over time, it became that little voice of you're not good enough. Don't ever bother. Anxiety is all about self-protection, actually, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. We get anxious about situations mm-hmm. because we don't want to put ourselves in a in an environment where we might be hurt mm-hmm. uh, physically mm-hmm. or mentally. Mm-hmm. So we often say to ourselves, oh, you can't do that and you can't mm-hmm. do this. We build up that feeling of anxiety mm-hmm. because fundamentally we want to belong to a group to a tribe to a team don't we that's what humans are we're Mm -hmm. social animals Mm -hmm. and one of the things we need to belong to a group tribe or team is to fit in Mm -hmm. when you put yourself in front of a job interviewer or you put yourself on stage or you you state an opinion Mm -hmm. uh, that you have you're then putting yourself in front of your group and your Mm -hmm. tribe up for judgment Mm-hmm. And if that judgment is a negative one, that mm-hmm. that affects who we are. Right. So our brain does all that very quickly and mm-hmm. goes, just don't say anything. Just don't try mm-hmm. these new opportunities. Don't go for that job because right. yeah. don't, you, know, don't, you might get, you might get judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't bother. Mm-hmm. Where successful people, you know, they're more kind of egocentric and actually mm-hmm. jump on opportunities and try new things. And they're more um, externally aware rather than internal thoughts. They're more about mm-hmm. how can I have an impact on you or the organization mm-hmm. or the team. Uh, and that's the difference, really. You need mm-hmm. to kind of turn down that self-doubt mm-hmm. uh, and start taking these opportunities that present uh, mm-hmm. every single day of your life. Right. You know, and, and of course, an interview is one of the absolute most stressful things that, that anybody can go through, even if they you know, kind of know, hey, I'm the shoe in for it. it it's you're, you're waiting for them to say, ah, you, you don't meet this criteria or, you know, and, and we read so much into it, right? You know, they pause at the wrong time and we're thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong? So, you know, you've, you've written several books um, and the, the latest one is called Interview Identity. You know, and, and it's really talking about how to get through this interview process. And I, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, we've got this darn pandemic that's going on and everybody's jobs are coming, they're going, um, you know, all sorts of things. And so I think it's important for us to, to be talking about these right now. So, you know, how, first of all, is there a bias that people kind of come into? Is there an unconscious bias that, that happens in interviews? It's kind of like the first filter is unconscious bias. So the employer walks down the stairs mm-hmm. or even if you kind of pitch into like, you know, a team of investors or whoever it is, mm-hmm. these communication techniques are the same in so many different situations mm-hmm. but the employee comes downstairs as soon as they see you in that instant mm-hmm. moment that millisecond mm-hmm. they make an opinion about you based right. on your height your gender mm-hmm. your age your ethnicity a mm-hmm. hundred million mm-hmm. uh, different pieces of data uh, and information and it's all filtered through their values mm-hmm. their beliefs their past experiences to create an instant judgment. And this goes mm-hmm. back to our ancestors, the hunter mm-hmm. and gatherers. Right. Are they going to, to, to oh, yeah. hurt us or help us? Yeah, that's it. And that's that's instantaneously. And it's just a, an instant judgment. So in a job interview, it's kind of like a likability factor. Mm-hmm. I kind of like this person or I dislike this person. Mm-hmm. And that's the first filter. But in actual fact, 
it starts prior to the job interview. Mm -hmm. So there's an unconscious bias when the interviewer reads your application. Mm -hmm. So imagine on that application form, you talk about how you can do this amazing thing that will earn loads of money for their organization. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, this person seems ideal for the job. Mm -hmm. So they create the halo effect. I want this person to do Yeah, you've got an advantage before you start. Yeah, and it's the same with the horns effect. So imagine for an internal vacancy where two managers are just chatting and saying, mm-hmm. this afternoon I'm going to be interviewing Crystal A&A. And they're like, oh, Chris, is he going for that job? It doesn't seem suitable at all. And then the employer yeah. thinks, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe not then. Mm-hmm. And it's very powerful, this, because it's the initial judgment. And what the mm-hmm. research shows us, because the book's based on like 100 different research papers, mm-hmm. is if you kind of like someone or dislike someone, if you mm-hmm. want someone to do well or you want someone to fail, you will then search for evidence to back up your own belief. Mm. And your attitude mm-hmm. at a subconscious level will change in the interview to create mm-hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy. So mm-hmm. I didn't think this person was going to do too well. So then I just like not bothered. I'm a bit of a cold interview. I don't mm-hmm. ask encouraging right. questions. You so ask my them, behavior, yeah, you ask them questions kind of designed to make them fail. Yeah, and, it's, and often it's at the subconscious level. Then the applicant then acts out of character now, so it becomes mm-hmm. a self-fulfilling process. I didn't mm-hmm. think he was going to do well. You're acting rubbish. I knew mm-hmm. that was going to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it really is, it's that that true first impression, whether it's, you know, what do they find online or, you know, driving up all those various things. Um, you know, it's, I remember one time, you know, I think I was probably back in college where, one of the the young women had a Gucci purse, you know, very expensive bag. Now, I don't remember if she got it at a secondhand store, if it was a gift or whatever, but it was not something she would walk in and buy. I mean, you know, she just couldn't afford that. But they actually told her, don't take that purse into your interview. Now, you know, there's a whole big thing with don't take a purse in anyway, because you could spill it and yada, yada, yada. But, um, and, and we were all like, well, why? It's Gucci. (laughs) <laughs> and and they said because there's expectations that come with that. You know, first of all, is she is she very wealthy and working for fun? Is she going to expect lots? You know, is she going to put on airs? I mean, you know, because we do have impressions of somebody who's very wealthy, you know, and, and all these things. And you know, they said, now obviously you don't take in something tattered, but you know, kind of and but that's also why I tell people, you know. Go to the where you're going to be interviewed before you go in, you know, like several days before and check out what people are wearing so that you're dressing appropriately. You know, you don't want to go in in the business suit if everybody's in very casual clothes. And, and, you know, same thing. You don't want to go in very casual if the people are in suits and um, because you want to show them that you fit in right at the very start. There's uh, an infinity bias, so we're drawn to people who are similar to us. So mm-hmm. if you wear the Gucci bag and you see someone with that bag, you can say, oh, we've got something in common. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that likability factor increases. Mm-hmm. That can even be uh, you going to the same university, mm-hmm. living in the same town, mm-hmm. or even having the same name. Mm-hmm. If there's any commonality with the interviewer, they have a natural affinity mm-hmm. bias towards you, which, which is all about that. Uh, likability factor right. at the very beginning of the job interview, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, one of the things technology has really helped with is you can inter- you can you can uh, look up so much information about the company, about even the people, um, you know, and and uh, yeah, you can look at their social media profiles, all these various things. And like you said, I mean, if you walk in and say, "Oh my gosh, we went to the same university," or we went to a competing university, or you know, things like that, you know, and, and we're always told look around the room, and you know, if they've got a picture of you know their kids playing soccer 
comment on that. You know, just it, it's that whole likability factor, as you said, is just so important. And it's so easy on social media because people talk about their hobbies mm-hmm. and their interests and, you know, what they're passionate about all the time. And when you get took from the reception up to the interview room, mm-hmm. there's often like a bit of small talk. You know, did mm-hmm. you get here? Okay. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? What, what, you know, if it's a Monday, what did you do at your weekend? What mm-hmm. have you been doing this week? So you can use those opportunities to mm-hmm. bring up those commonalities like, right. oh, I'm a rock climber. And they do mm-hmm. the interview, like, oh, I'm also a, a rock mm-hmm. climber. And you have this chat and then everyone's smiling mm-hmm. and you go into the interview mm-hmm. room and the rest of the interview panel are waiting for you. But they see the interviewer is smiling and chatting mm-hmm. to you, the candidate. And then you get introduced. So it just starts this likability factor that can mm-hmm. then spread across the mm-hmm. interview panel. Right. So uh, you know, the trick, though, is to be authentic about that you know, and, and never, ever lie. I mean, you know, because you'll be found out on that. But how do you, you know, because I, I, I know that you are also a, a hypnotherapist, which I love. Um, and, you know, so how do you. You know, how how can you come across and, and be truly authentic when you're saying, oh, my gosh, you know, hey, I see that your kids play soccer, you know, and, and things like that. So that it it's not just coming across as I'm saying this because I should say it. All you got to do is be completely immersed in being interested in other people when you're interested in other people you'll mm-hmm. ask them questions anyway so imagine you know the interview is into rock climbing and kayaking as mm-hmm. an example but you're not into that so you can't have any affinity by right. mm-hmm. you've got different names they went to different schools you've got nothing in common with mm-hmm. this person it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. all you need to do is get the likability factor high because that mm-hmm. affects uh, the, the whole job interview mm-hmm. and one way to get the likability factor high is just ask people questions people absolutely love it when you show interest in them Mm -hmm. when someone starts talking about something they're passionate and then you're Mm -hmm. showing interest and asking more questions Mm -hmm. they get excited about Mm -hmm. it you can have 20 minutes of job interview with someone talking about their passion and then Mm -hmm. they go oh sorry we need to start the recruitment oh yeah yeah, i guess we should be doing the interview Mm -hmm. yeah well, a bit like before today, we was um, before we went live, we were chatting mm-hmm. about the monkey and we were chatting right. about the cats and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And we were having like a really good laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's just, uh, that was all natural, but that's what helps create likability. Right. And then we mm-hmm. have a great, uh, a great radio interview mm-hmm. now. Right. Well, and it kind of calms you down. Um, you know, because like we said, being, you know, going for an interview is incredibly stressful. And, and so kind of having that little chit chat before gives you a chance to get your breathing settled, you know, to, to kind of do several things, um, you know, and, and clearly there's a lot of just basic things for an interview, you know, don't be late, you know, all of those various things. But yeah, if you can take, you know, a couple minutes and just calm the situation down, that's going to help you give much better answers. It's one of the most powerful techniques is controlling your emotions mm-hmm. because, when you're in a panic mode, your heart rate beats a lot faster mm-hmm. and you often breathe from the top of your chest. Right. And, and then that and changes. And women's voices you... go up. <laughs> I, I, I meant that like, everyone's voice. We all talk like this. Uh-huh. Like, it's so funny, isn't it? Um, but what 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 that does, that body emotional mm-hmm. reaction, it sends a signal to your brain saying that you're mm-hmm. in fight or flight. So you mm-hmm. stop digesting your food. Mm-hmm. Your blood goes to your extreme, uh, goes mm-hmm. to your vital organs. Your muscles kind of tense up. That's mm-hmm. why people tremble in job interviews because your mm-hmm. muscles are tensing up. Right. When, when, you're, when you're in rest and digest mode, your natural mm-hmm. waking state, mm-hmm. you're just breathing from the bottom of your stomach, mm-hmm. your heart beats the normal rate, and you're more relaxed. So you can think about your mm-hmm. answers and, and past examples. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways to do that is rhythmic breathing. Mm-hmm. So you breathe in through mm-hmm. your nose for four long seconds. Mm-hmm. 
you then hold it for four seconds mm-hmm. and then force that breath breath out so you can kind of breathe out loud mm-hmm. uh, for another four seconds and mm-hmm. just repeat that cycle and that just sends the relaxation mm-hmm. signals uh, calming down your heart rate mm-hmm. so it's at a normal rate and then you just breathe much more naturally mm-hmm. sending oxygen to the brain so you mm-hmm. can recall all your amazing answers that you prepared right. the night before right yeah and, and that's part of why you want to get there early because you get there you get settled and then you can calm yourself, um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, because there are all sorts of things. I mean, you're always worried you're going to be late. There might be traffic, you know, all sorts of things. So take that time. And even if you think you're calm, still do it. Definitely. And then that kind of like, once you calm, kind of think about the job interview process itself. And there's three rules uh, for a successful job interview. We kind of okay. talk about this in the uh, interview identity book. Mm-hmm. So the first rule is so important in this rule is to identify the job criteria. Know what the job role is about, the main mm-hmm. business as usual duties, so you can mm-hmm. fit the interview questions. Understand the company culture, mm-hmm. um, the leadership styles, the management styles, the mm-hmm. vision of the organization, because most companies ask you about the culture of mm-hmm. the organization these days. Rule number two, you've actually mentioned this early on, Deb, you need to be a self-promoter. You need mm-hmm. to brag about yourself, mm-hmm. especially in England. We're so reserved in England. We hate right. saying mm-hmm. nice things about ourselves. You know, for years, I never told anyone my kind of like journey from being dyslexic mm-hmm. to, you know, having books and stuff like that. But I tell everyone now because it's like, just promote the mm-hmm. things that you're good at. And then the third one is something you do fantastic, Deb. You need to communicate with confidence. So listeners, when you listen to Deb speak, she doesn't talk in a monotone voice. Her volume is up and down. She's got different emotions in the voice. She's mm-hmm. like, just like then she smiles when mm-hmm. she talks. She's got gestures. This is what we mean when you communicate with confidence, not just mm-hmm. about the content of what you're talking about. It's the way you speak, the way you deliver mm-hmm. uh, that message. Mm-hmm. Deb excites me when I hear her speak and I'm getting excited just from the energy she has mm-hmm. compared to someone who just talks a little bit like mm-hmm. this and wants to send me to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. I talk at one level when I want people to go right, to Right, because <laughs> you're supposed to be soothing and calming. I mean, that's, that is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in a job interview, you need to be engaging mm-hmm. and energizing, don't you? You need to get people to think there's something about mm-hmm. this person that I like. You know, they've got the skills, they've got the knowledge, they've got the experience, mm-hmm. but also they've got this likability factor. Mm-hmm. And it's very important that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why this just flashed in my head when you were saying you were a hypnotherapist. I can imagine you going for an interview and hypnotizing them and then saying, You want to hire me. You want to. <laughs> yes, yes. That's well, the way we, to do it. That's perfect. So when we finish this call, you, you're writing me like a check for two thousand pounds. You're thinking, why am I giving Chris two thousand pounds to be on my I show? Know, I, I just know. click my fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, and and but but you know, there there actually is some truth to that too. Is you know maybe things are getting a little wound up, so you need to calm it back down. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so think about that because we do when we're nervous, when we're excited, when we're passionate we do our blood pressure rises, all of those various things that you just said. And so we might not be coming across as the best possible candidate, um, you know, and, and one of the things that, that we always have to watch is what is the interviewer? What is their body language? All of those various things. So kind of talk to us a little bit about that. How can they affect our behavior? So people with low self-esteem focus on the interview all the time. So they okay. analyze what the interview is doing. So mm-hmm. the eyes are scrunched up or they're mm-hmm. not asking, you know, more detailed questions mm-hmm. or the notes aren't that 
um aren't that long so they mm-hmm. must hate me this is what right. self mm-hmm. self low self-esteem people do they, they're looking for evidence to say like mm-hmm. they're going to be terrible for this job or, or in this interviewer mm-hmm. where if you're confident you don't do that what you're thinking about is how i can I have impact uh, on mm-hmm. the employer how can i talk about something that uh, they can use in their organization mm-hmm. so you have an internal focus mm-hmm. in your head what's the interviewer doing mm-hmm. Or you have an, in, an external focus. How can I impact uh, the person mm-hmm. I'm speaking to in front of me? And that's what you've got to move your focus mm-hmm. from. You've got to move it from out your head where you're questioning your own ability, your, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, your, impost, your, your imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and get focused on how can I give the interviewer some knowledge, mm-hmm. advice, and my expertise? How right. can I tell them something that they don't know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and of course, one of the biggest things is to practice. You know, practice with another person practice in the mirror, you know, and if possible, record it because we never realize that we've got these weird tips and, and things like that until we see it recorded. And we're like, oh my gosh, um, or hear it recorded. You know, <coughs> it, I've been doing this a very long time and I still, when I listen to myself, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, but yeah, practice those things. Um, and that will <coughs> obviously help you calm down. Um, I was working with a young woman one time and I actually, I taught it at Metro state in, in Denver. And we were practicing interviews. And, and these were teams of kids. Now, Metro is uh, an, uh, one of those interesting universities where you have 18-year-olds and you have 68-year-olds. And I love that because there's so much knowledge and learning. I mean, all sorts of things like that. And so it's, it's very cool. But you know, we had, we had everybody was in groups of three and they would practice their interviews. Then they were to give them in front of the program or in front of the class. And I was random CEO wandering through to interrupt their interview, you know, and so I come in with stupid <laughs> questions and, and things like that. And we had this one young woman and, and she was fairly young and both the other people that she was working with were older gentlemen, but they got along really well. You know, they'd done several projects together <clears throat> and she starts. So she was the interviewee. She gets about two minutes into it. And she, I mean, you could just feel the tension and everything going up in her and, and it was things they practiced, all these various things. And she looks at me and she says, I'm going to throw up. And I thought, uh-oh. Um, and so, you know, I moved a trash can closer to her. But I immediately said, no, you're not. Calm down. And, you know, and, and so she just kind of, and, and and then, of course, she said, I need to start over. I said, we can't. These are timed exercises. Um, you know, if we, you, you, we every, everyone only has a certain period of time. But I told her, I said, you know, afterwards, I said, please, you know, please come see me um, after class. And. She did. And, and one of the things that I told her is something that I noticed that, that you are doing in your LinkedIn profile. I had her go to Toastmasters. And, and I said, that's a great way for you to get comfortable speaking in public. And speaking in public can be in front of 10,000 people or one. Sometimes it's harder to talk in front of that one person. So what are some other tips that you have for people who, you know, even if you think you're really good at it, let's be honest, everybody can always do better. Practice definitely creates perfection. The more you practice something, the more mm-hmm. it becomes embedded into your subconscious. You have the muscle memory and you, mm-hmm. just, you can just do anything with, with lots of practice. Toastmasters and any public speaking group mm-hmm. is so good because it teaches you not just to speak in front of mm-hmm. one or 10, 15 or 100 people, mm-hmm. but it's, it teaches you how to structure a speech, mm-hmm. which can then be used in a job interview to structure your interview mm-hmm. answer as well. It also teaches you like rhetoric devices, how to summarize, how to get your message across rather than just talking lots and waffling. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things we used to do in Toastmasters was uh, have someone count people's filler words. Because mm-hmm. like you said, when you're nervous, when you're anxious, mm-hmm. you talk with filler words, erms, mm-hmm. as, souls, likes all the time. And people aren't aware of how many they use. So we used to right. always have like a tally chart and, and get people to do that. Mm-hmm. One of the other techniques though that I think is really good to learn to public speak is doing improv classes. Mm-hmm. So an improv class, mm-hmm. you get put on the stage to give you, mm-hmm. you know, a, a flower and a plastic water pistol mm-hmm. and a scene. And then you have to just talk about it or act mm-hmm. something out in that moment. That is the best way to learn mm-hmm. how to answer random curveball mm-hmm. interview questions that you right. cannot prepare for. Oh, yeah, because improv is just totally off the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so good. It's such a great skill to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to practice speaking in public because that's really important. But you also really want to be practicing how you structure your, uh, your interview answers because you want your answers to have impact. When we talk about like the interview identity, it's mm-hmm. about... It's it's a, a chart where on one axis is your level of perceived knowledge and experience, and then mm-hmm. the other axis is your level of confidence, mm-hmm. and then you get like one of sixteen interview identities. Mm-hmm. But this often comes over in how you answer that first interview question. Mm-hmm. If you structure that in a way where you're self-promoting your skills, your experience, your unique selling point, giving detailed answers with data-specific information. People are going to be like, wow, this person knows mm-hmm. what they're talking about. That's a great idea. I've never thought about that before. That's how you uh, how you score high in, in the job interview. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, practice speaking. Go to workshops. Go to improv classes. Mm-hmm. Get a, a, an interview coach or whatever. The more you practice, the better you'll mm-hmm. become. Right. You know, and again, this isn't just for interviewing. Um, you know, I, before the pandemic, attended a lot of, of in-person networking. <coughs> and now they're just, you know, online. And invariably, you know, especially if it's, you know, a, a group of people and it's a networking event, it's, Chris, give your 30 second spiel, you know, and, and I, that's for, for many people, their, their brain immediately goes, what? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. they can practice it. They can do all these things. The worst thing, and, and, and I've seen this happen before, and my heart just breaks for them is, you know, they're absolutely terrified. And they're reading it, <laughs> you know, and I mean, like they've got their paper in front of them and they're saying, hi, my name is Deb Creer and I do, you know, and of course that comes across so bad, uh, you know, it's, it's, it would be better just to say, hi, I'm Deb Creer. Please come up to me afterwards. And I'm more than happy to tell you a little bit about what I do because, you know, when, when you have to read it, the thought process is, well, you're not prepared. You can't do this, you know, things like that. But you know, it, it really, it does come with practice. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Now, the problem comes that you don't want it to be rote where it sounds too rehearsed, right? You know, because we've all seen that too, where somebody stands up and they go, yada, 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 yada. And they sit down and you're like, what was your name again? <laughs> yeah. Robotic interview answers is how, mm-hmm. how I call it, where it's mm-hmm. just too over-practiced, mm-hmm. too over-rehearsed. You mm-hmm. kind of need that that balance. Mm-hmm. One of the things you want to do when you're doing these 30-second elevate, elevator pitches, mm-hmm. when you're um, in job interviews, in, in any sort of communication, especially mm-hmm. when you're being asked questions or having mm-hmm. to present you know, an idea or something, you want to break it down to like key. what is the key message? What's the mm-hmm. one thing you really want to get across? Mm-hmm. And you need that to be in a, in a sentence. So... I know someone in a job interview <coughs> might say something like, uh, I have 10 years experience of turning around companies on the brink of bankruptcy and making mm-hmm. them into multi-million pound organizations. Mm-hmm. It's something where it tells you what it is, but mm-hmm. it's intriguing and inspirational uh, at the same time. If I'm in a networking event, I sometimes say something along the lines of, um, 
I'm a hypnotherapist who can turn your, who can get help you get rid of your lifelong phobia mm-hmm. in just 60 minutes. So again, I tell everyone what it is in one sentence, mm-hmm. but make it a little bit intriguing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want that, the basis of your job interview answer, mm-hmm. your pitch or any communication. What's that one thing you're trying to get mm-hmm. across to them? And then build the communication, mm-hmm. the answer around that. Right. Yeah, because you want the next thing to be for them to say, tell me how you do it. Tell me why, you know, all of those things. Yeah, because... A real good job interview, you know, when you're doing well in a job interview, because an interview has got to ask you about eight questions and a structured mm-hmm. interview, they ask you about eight questions mm-hmm. and it's got to score each question. Right. And those were probably asked... listed somewhere you know, so yeah, you can yeah. prepare for them. Definitely. The whole thing about the uh, identify the job criteria, mm-hmm. rule number one of successful job interview, mm-hmm. you can go off and you can Google your job role and job profile. Mm-hmm. So engineer job profile, mm-hmm. podcast host job mm-hmm. profile mm-hmm. or whatever. And it comes up with a list of duties. All those duties are going to be your mm-hmm. interview questions. Go on to LinkedIn, mm-hmm. find someone who's worked for the organization and say, mm-hmm. what questions were you asked in that right. interview? Mm-hmm. You can do mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And there's just loads of ways to mm-hmm. find the, uh, the interview questions. So the more you can predict the interview questions, the more you can um, shape your answer to it mm-hmm. matches that job criteria. They literally tick off that you have these skills, mm-hmm. qualities, and talents to get like a score. Uh, the scoring system is often one to four. So you get like mm-hmm. a two or three for that. Mm-hmm. But when you can give examples, when you can say how this skill will help you in your organization, mm-hmm. when you communicate it with confidence, you start mm-hmm. getting a format because they're just impressed with your whole mm-hmm. package. Right. So now what do you do if it's going badly? <laughs> you know, I mean, you just you can tell, you know, maybe they've sat back in their chair. Maybe, you know, I mean, you can read the body language and, and you just know. I mean, it's now it could be that. You also thought, nah, don't want to work here. I don't care. But what if it is something that you still want to do and the interview is going badly? How can you turn that around? So you try, you kind of want to try and identify, and it's hardest in the moment. You, mm-hmm. It's easy on reflection, but you kind of want to try and identify what mm-hmm. it is that's that's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So generally, it's two things. One is your communication style. So you're a bit nervous. So mm-hmm. your answers are short and snappy, mm-hmm. full, full of words, and you're saying it in a boring way. And can mm-hmm. see the interviewer falling to sleep. And if your interview just before dinner or before the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's often the worst time. Right. For oh, because everybody's sleepy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sleepy, aren't they? Even you're sleepy as, as mm-hmm. the applicant. So if it's something the way you're communicating, you just want to be a bit louder and a bit more energetic, mm-hmm. depending on the interview question. But kind of wake them up, right? Yeah, wake them up. Yeah, like <laughs> shake the table, maybe or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or say something intriguing, which which gets them uh, interested. Mm-hmm. The, the, one of the main reasons, though, is they don't believe you're suitable for that role. So you've got a poor job interview identity, mm-hmm. or you said something that they don't agree with, mm-hmm. um, or they got a, an unbiased uh, opinion about mm-hmm. you. So as an example, you might get an employer say, oh, I can see you worked at X organization. Mm-hmm. Isn't everyone lazy over there? Oh. So the associate, yeah, so this this mm-hmm. is one of my clients told me this mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So the associated uh, a, a poor organization to the mm-hmm. applicant, and this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you're ageist, racist, or sexism. Mm-hmm. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. I group you uh, into this negative mm-hmm. group. So all you need to do is reframe it. So if they say something like, you know, in, isn't everyone lazy at organization? Say, yes, they are. That's why I want to apply for a job here with mm-hmm. you because I know you value work right. ethic. You've got really good blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And talk about the reason why mm-hmm. you're getting away from that negative thing mm-hmm. into the positive. Right. Their and make it a really short thing about the negative thing, though. You know, don't don't. Yeah, bother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's about it's about how you present data, mm-hmm. as an example. If you go to a supermarket and you see two yogurt brands, mm-hmm. one will say, this yogurt is 80% fat-free. Mm-hmm. Your brand will say, this yogurt contains 20% fat. 
right. the same data. It's the same thing. Different. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to learn in job interviews is presenting the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about business as usual. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what you might say something like, uh, tell me about your average day. Well, I get in at nine o'clock, you have a cup of tea and then I mm-hmm. sit down and chat to my colleagues. I'll check mm-hmm. me. You don't want to talk about that mm-hmm. stuff. You want to say, no, well, no. two weeks ago, I came mm-hmm. into work and this mm-hmm. big problem happened. Mm-hmm. Explain the situation in one sentence mm-hmm. and then talk about this, the steps you took, your mm-hmm creative thought process your mm-hmm. creative problem solving techniques how you planned out the tasks you're going mm-hmm. to do how you delegated stuff how you took a leadership role and then the outcome to that situation mm-hmm. how you know you were successful or you mm-hmm. made money or you overcome that negative mm-hmm. thing that was happening talk about those specific situations where you was a star mm-hmm. you was fantastic you made something mm-hmm. happen right you know and there are those generic questions that you almost always get what was the biggest challenge you ever faced? What is your biggest strength? What is your biggest weakness? I always hate that. You know, what is yeah. your biggest weakness? Like you're going to say, I'm a lazy schlub. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's, that is where you want to turn it into a positive to say, um, you know, what is your biggest weakness? Well, you know, I, I, I found it challenging in the past to focus. So here is what I have done to get past or don't even answer yeah. it. I mean, you know, it's okay to, to just, you know, skim right over top of that and say, here are things that I really love to do. Um, you know, because right, you know, you're you're not gonna say, well, my biggest weakness is no. Yeah. It's so true that because one of the things you kind of learn is you go to lots of job interviews. The mm-hmm. reason everyone's scared of interviews, by the way, mm-hmm. is because it's so rare we go to them. We don't go to a job interview every mm-hmm. day, every week, every month. You right. know, it's once yeah. every three years, isn't mm-hmm. it? So people fear the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go to lots of job interviews, though, you start learning the technique of understanding why they're asking particular questions. Mm-hmm. So when you ask the weakness question, mm-hmm. the employer doesn't really want to know about your weaknesses. No. They want to know about that journey, like you said, mm-hmm. Deb, about, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I've done to improve. This mm-hmm. is what I've done mm-hmm. to develop. That's what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Are you someone who just does the same thing and makes the same mistakes? Or do you reflect? Do you mm-hmm. create a plan of action? Mm-hmm. Do you learn, develop and, mm-hmm. and improve? And now what is the current situation mm-hmm. you're in? So right. when they ask you a question that you're thinking, why are they asking this? Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of think, what skill, quality, or experience mm-hmm. do they want me to talk about? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and like a, a, a good response to a weakness thing could be, you know, I've I I didn't know how to do X. So here is what I have done to to fix that. And, and let's be honest, it doesn't have to be your biggest weakness. <laughs> it can just be anything that then you can use to to show how you have, have made things better. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's what it's all about. It's about showing development, showing improving. Employers now, it's it's not just about someone having an academic qualification mm-hmm. or 10 years experience. They want, uh, it's all about someone's work ethic, their personality, mm-hmm. uh, what what values they hold, how mm-hmm. they're motivated, if they um, work well in that management style. A mm-hmm. lot of companies now are actually moving into strength-based job interview questions mm-hmm. where they're kind of asking about your preferences. So do you prefer to mm-hmm. work on your own or in a team or tell me about a good day? Mm-hmm. Because they're really trying to understand you as a person mm-hmm. as well as your experience and your qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you want to be talking about like your thought process as well, mm-hmm. as, well as the actions that you took. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and we learn from even the worst things. Um, you know, this this happened to me, oh gosh, maybe 30 years ago. I mean, this was a long time ago. I went for an interview and it was a panel. And we've done that before, right? You know, where you it's not just one person, there's multiple. This was hideous. There were, I believe, eight of them. And, and it was a kind of a darker room. 
I was way up in front and they were just lined up in front of me and they, they, they took turns asking questions. So it was this person, 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 you know, and, and, you know, and, and you just kind of felt like this little person on this little swivel going <laughs> back and forth. I decided like five minutes into it, I had no desire to work for that company. Um, it was a great organization, but I thought if this is how they handle the interview, I, I really have yeah. no desire to work there. So, of course, what happened was I relaxed and I, you know, I just and and, you know, so then, of course, what happened is I get called back and and I really did think about it. I thought, you know, it's just it, my first impression was exactly what we were talking about at the very start. I don't want to work there. And so I turned them down. I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, thank you very much because you never know who's going to talk to somebody else. Right. And I said, thank you very much, but I'm going in a different direction, you know, or just something like that. And they were really surprised and they pressed me. And, and I finally said, I have to tell you, that was the most horrible interview I have ever done. I said that whole panel thing with question, 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 question. And, and I was not allowed to ask questions. That was the other thing, you know, if, if I, and I distinctly remember, I said, you know, well, what about, or something. And they said, you can ask questions if you're called back for a second interview. And I wow. thought, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is so. This is such a good story, Deb, because this is what people forget. It's a two-way process. Mm-hmm. On average, three hundred people apply for every advertising mm-hmm. job role, mm-hmm. and then they interview six. Right. So they want you. You're an mm-hmm. interview. There's something right. that they want. If you've made it to the it. interview, you're doing pretty make, good. Yeah, you're so good. Mm-hmm. So now, also, they want to see if you're, you mm-hmm. know, the right fit. Mm-hmm. The interviewer's goal for a job interview is to predict the job performance of each mm-hmm. candidate and then give the best one uh, mm-hmm. the job offer. Your goal for that job interview mm-hmm. is one is to explain your skills, qualities, and unique selling mm-hmm. point. But really, it's for you to decide if you want to work for that particular mm-hmm. company. Right. Yeah, you're you know? interviewing them just as much as they yeah. are interviewing you. And it's so good that you turn that down because actually most people, when they're offered a job, even even when they know they don't like that organization, mm-hmm. will say yes because mm-hmm. they're scared to say no. Because, right. oh, I won't get a job mm-hmm. somewhere else. I'll mm-hmm. just take kind this Kind of like one. going on that first date. If you didn't like it on the first <laughs> yes. date, you're probably not going to like it on the second date. That's it. But we always go to the second one just in case. But mm-hmm. it's not, a, you know, sometimes you need to do that. But mm-hmm. often, though, right. that gut reaction that you have mm-hmm. gives you an indication mm-hmm. if you're going to be suitable right. for that company or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, let's face it, even, you know, unless they are somebody who is interviewing people all the time, they might be just as nervous as you are. So, you know, there could be some some things that just kind of throw off. And so it really does kind of take that second chat sometimes to to, to see what's going on. I think that's really important as well, Des, because if you get in interview for a high pay position, you normally get like HR teams coming mm-hmm. in or external sometimes, external mm-hmm. recruiters coming in. And they're often training unconscious mm-hmm. buyers in the structured job interview process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, it's more of a fair, confident mm-hmm. uh, recruitment mm-hmm. session. Often, though, if you, for like low for middle skilled jobs, you normally interview by your manager, the person mm-hmm. who's going to be your manager in the future. Mm-hmm. They often haven't had any training. They're mm-hmm. often very nervous because they only recruit once mm-hmm. every three to five years. So they're just as anxious and scared right. as you. So and they're, they're so short. scared they're going to ask one of those questions that get you in trouble, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and they all have imposter. Everyone's got a little bit of imposter syndrome. So they're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, if I ask about this thing and then you ask me a question, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. I look like an idiot and I'm your mm-hmm. potential right. manager. You're not going to want to so, work for me. Mm-hmm. That's it. So they're just as nervous as you are. And I think when you know that, that relaxes you. You're nervous. I'm nervous. Everyone's mm-hmm. nervous. Mm-hmm. Let's just have a chat. Let's just have right. a conversation. Yeah. It comes back to what we said at the very start chat a little bit, break the ice, you know, and, and I mean, you can even say things like, oh my gosh, traffic was heavy. 
you know, all these various things. And, and then you can, you can talk about it. Um, but yeah, kind of, because they are, they're probably just as nervous as you are. You talk in your book about 16 interview identities. So what is an, I, what is an interview identity? So we talked about unconscious bias. We talked about the interview's behavior and how mm-hmm. that affects the behavior, creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. When you get asked that first job interview question, mm-hmm. The interview creates a snap judgment about your suitability for that role. And that's okay. based on your perceived level of knowledge and experience mm-hmm. and your level uh, of confidence in the mm-hmm. job interview. So if you're talking about like industry models, industry theories, giving examples, mm-hmm. giving data-driven uh, interview answers, to thinking this person's knowledgeable, they've got set to experience, mm-hmm. I can see role, they've dealt with that problem before. And as long as you talk um, with confidence as well, so giving mm-hmm. long descriptive answers, using mixed language, using emotional words, having different tonality, mm-hmm. thinking about the case, you'll get a strong interview mm-hmm. identity where if you've got loads of confidence, so you can talk the talk, but you can't mm-hmm. really you know, reference the job criteria, you've got no examples that are relevant to the job role you're applying for, they'll think, well, this person's confident, mm-hmm. but they haven't really got the skills and abilities for that job role. And some people, when they're highly confident, pretend they have, so they sometimes mm-hmm. will use white lies and stuff, so you get seen as more deceitful. Mm-hmm. Or if you've got loads of knowledge and experience, you've been doing this job for 20 years, you're an expert in that, you know, job role. We've got the halo effect. We know you're going to be mm-hmm. really right. But you can't communicate that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, you know, do you want this job? Are you a mm-hmm. little bit bored? So the identities are based on how you're perceived in the job interview, mm-hmm. not how you would do the job in the real world. So you might mm-hmm. be dead confident in, the, in your current role, but in a job interview, you don't communicate your competencies confidently. You'll mm-hmm. get a job interview identity. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, and what we're talking about a lot is how this this is not a one-way street. Your behavior and how you do things can actually influence how the interview goes. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, if it's going badly, how do you you turn it around? You know, th- how are some other ways that that you can kind of change the direction that, that things are going in? We talked a little bit about this already, about conversations. Mm-hmm. One of the best things to do is when you're asked an interview question, which are normally quite generic unless mm-hmm. you're asking technical questions, mm-hmm. is you then ask the interviewer a specific question. So mm-hmm. as an example, they say, give me time uh, when you were successful. Mm-hmm. You can say to them, do what, um, uh, an example of being successful in the job mm-hmm. or out of the job environment. So it doesn't really matter what they say. What mm-hmm. you're doing is creating a conversation. Um, if they ask you about you know, how would you implement this mm-hmm. system? Talk about different systems that mm-hmm. you know. But ask them first. Ask them if, they, if they're aware of this system or they're aware of this mm-hmm. process. Uh, I teach people when they talk about time management to use mm-hmm. the time, manage- time management matrix model. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things you do before explaining the model is say to the interviewer, so I often use the time management matrix model. Is that something you're aware of? Mm-hmm. And then they've got to answer that question. They've ah, got to- mm-hmm creates a bit of a conversation, but it also allows you time to think about the answer mm-hmm. uh, you're going to deliver. Right. Yeah. And companies usually like it, it when you've done your research about them in advance. And so to be able to say, you know, hey, I know that you use XYZ technology and I'm very comfortable with that, um, you know, and, and, or, or, you know, and, and that's where I have found LinkedIn it has been very invaluable for many of the people that I work with. Because I tell them, contact people who work there or work, you know, currently or, or formerly and, and just say, you know, hey, I've got an interview with ABC Company. I'm hoping you can give me some tips. 
they're either going to ignore you or they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of options. And, you know, uh, what I really love are finding the people who used to work there and and saying, you know, can you tell me about why you're no longer there? Because, you know, and now, you know, you're going to get a variety of answers, clearly, but it, it does kind of help you do some things. And, and but yeah, companies really like it when you and as we said, it's so easy anymore to really be researching companies. Um, one of the, the greatest examples that I had when I was working with someone was she reached out to somebody on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm interviewing for exposition. Now, she was going to move from Denver to Cincinnati. Yeah. Sorry, Cincinnati. Um, but, you know, and, and she found someone who used to work there and, and they said, you know, it's actually a really great company, but it is struggling financially. So you need to keep that in mind. So, you know, now who knows, you know, that person could have just been disgruntled. Their buddy might have been applying for the job. So she did further research and she discovered that, yes, they were struggling. So she used that in her interview. Um, you know, she was was actually offered the position and she she told him, she said, now, I understand you've been going through some financial difficulties. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. But more importantly, if I'm going to move all the way out here. I, I need some some um, information. And they they guaranteed her that if she lost, you know, if the company went under, um, they would move her back to Denver, um, you know, and, and so, but yeah, you know, and, and you don't want to be, you certainly don't want to be Superman whooshing in to fix, you know, fix things, but you can say, hey, you know, I've seen that you've got these, you know, I'd like to discuss them more, positives and negatives. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. It kind of comes back to like the infinity bias, but instead of instead of it being about a person that you're mm-hmm. both in a hobby, it's about the organization mm-hmm. and people. You know, people are passionate about the organization, mm-hmm. aren't they? So for some people, the job, their career, their mm-hmm. organization, their identity. Mm-hmm. So if you've done the research, if you took mm-hmm. time to research, mm-hmm. one, it just shows something about your character, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Right. You're researching, mm-hmm. you're understanding. Mm-hmm. You're also confident enough to ask me questions mm-hmm. about it. Well. Uh, and like you said, if it's something to do with like the technology to use, mm-hmm. your answer is a specific aren't because it's mm-hmm. about that piece of technology, mm-hmm. just not the technology mm-hmm. uh, as an example. So right. the more specific your answers mm-hmm. are, the more relevant they are to the organization, mm-hmm. the more likely they're gonna score high on the interview mm-hmm. scorecard. Right. You know, and and you can also do that in the follow-up that you send to them. I always tell people that's a great place, you know, because you still should send that note, I, you know, and, and you know, and, and make it, uh, now I don't know, email. I mean, you know, the nice thing about email is it's immediate. So it's probably okay. You know, I'm, I, I was in the old school of you still wrote the note, but that's a great way to remind them about something, to tell them something you forgot, Um you know, when I was interviewing people for the producer of this podcast, the, the woman who I work with, who, you know, they, they were all fabulous candidates. But the woman that I ended up working with, who we've been together now for, you know, three and a half years, you know, she's she's been working for me. So clearly this worked out. But one of the things she did was she's in her follow up. She made suggestions yeah. and, and she made them in a way that it wasn't, hey, you're doing this wrong. It's, hey, I noticed this. Have you ever thought about doing such and such? And I thought initiative. I like that. Um, you know, and, and so that's that's a great way to be able to, to follow up with folks. Or even if it's just, you know, hey, you know, Chris, I know that you're following X soccer team. Did you see this great article about them? Yeah, it's really, really good that, especially like say that they've got like a byproduct, so they're making something to got all this waste. Mm-hmm. You can research what that waste can be used for to mm-hmm. then make 
profit, can't you? Mm-hmm. Or to reduce the, you know, the cost of getting rid of that waste for them. Mm-hmm. You can. It's all about added value. Mm-hmm. Remember before I said six people at a, a firm would apply for the job, uh, get mm-hmm. the interview when they apply for the job. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to have a same level of experience, mm-hmm. similar qualifications, right. probably the skill set. Mm-hmm. So why why should I pay you thirty? Mm-hmm. 100 you know 150 mm-hmm. grand what's different about you mm-hmm. and it's these little things that make you stand out mm-hmm. don't they like you know asking additional questions the mm-hmm. research knowing about the organization mm-hmm. talking about the things that you can add uh, your unique selling point mm-hmm. you need to stand out in a job interview you can't mm-hmm. just give uh, everyday answers Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and same thing with if you're you know, wanting to be a consultant for a company or, or everything, you know, how are you setting yourself different? Um, you know, and, and for the most part, it's not money. You know, it's it's not who is it obviously depends on, you know, some factors, but cheapest is not always the best. Um, you know, and in fact, companies know if we want good employees, we're going to have to pay them. I mean, that's that's really been a struggle here in the States because of the pandemic. You know, many folks can can make more money staying home right now. Um, you know, and and so what are the things that you bring that that are going to set you apart? You know, and and we didn't even talk salary negotiation. I hate that part. That's the worst part of the whole job interview. Um, but but it is, you know, how can you set yourself apart from those that other handful of people that they brought in? Yeah, definitely. Even like having like a side hustle that you can talk about as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got like a part-time thing going mm-hmm. on or, you know, people often love people who volunteer because it shows mm-hmm. like your right. work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to work for three years. You've got mm-hmm. poor work ethic. You're not a hard mm-hmm. worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing additional qualifications. So many organizations mm-hmm. are into self-development, personal development. Mm-hmm. And they, they often ask that question, what mm-hmm. have you been doing to develop your skills in mm-hmm. this industry? So anything like that uh, adds value, but Really, uh, having something specific mm-hmm. that's based on research about the organization mm-hmm. really makes you stand out. And the way you present it as well, I keep mm-hmm. talking about the level of confidence. Mm-hmm. The research shows, uh, when they've done all the research papers, that if you're confident, you have more words per answer. Mm-hmm. You use mixed language. Mm-hmm. Um, your filler words uh, are a lot lower. And you have more self-promotion in there. Mm-hmm. People who lack confidence, for some reason, will disclose weaknesses when they're not prompted. So as an example, they'll say, tell me about a strength. And what they do is go, well, um, a strength. Well, I'm not very good at IT. I'm not very people. <laughs> they just panic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're panicking. So mm-hmm. what they're doing, they're kind of listing things. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. So I'll talk about the third thing, which I am good at. They finally, mm-hmm. they finally find that good thing. Right. Well, but the, the interviewer just remembers the first two things. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. The other thing to remember as well with job interviews is the interviewer is uh, analysing your answers against mm-hmm. the criteria on, on the job interview scorecard and then giving it a point. A mm-hmm. lot of it will give points, allocate the points at the end of the interview. So they make all the notes then mm-hmm. at the end between the two interviewees will mm-hmm. allocate points or some interviews do it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for an interviewer to forget some of the stuff that you said mm-hmm. or to right. uh, misinterpret what you said mm-hmm. as well. So little techniques like summarizing your answer mm-hmm. at the end of each answer reinforces the three things that you were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, at the end of the job interview, when you get asked questions, you can ask a couple of questions. And then when they say, do you get anything else to ask, summarize your skill set. You can mm-hmm. kind of say, well, I think in the job interview, when we talked about this skill, this quality, this unique selling point, I think I kind of covered everything there. Mm-hmm. And just It's just another way to mm-hmm. uh, remind them of who you are. 
Uh, and and having like a voice like yours, Debs, where you're energetic, you're fun, you're engaging. Mm-hmm. I'll always remember you because I'll be like, oh, uh, Deb's the one with the monkey who's like energetic mm-hmm. and really She's engaging. that wacky redhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's like, like little things make you just mm-hmm. a bit more memorable in mm-hmm. there. That's why humor's great in job interviews, mm-hmm. right. you know, out of corporate situations. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, oh my gosh, Chris, even with our little little technical glitch, we um, are at the top of the hour. So please tell us how people find you and connect with you. And and then, of course, about your book. Yeah. So my website is employmentking.co.uk. And that's full of like loads of free resources. For mm-hmm. job oh, yes. Tons of really great information. Very industry specific. I like that. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I mean, my goal is to just help people. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's all most of it's all free on there mm-hmm. uh, i'm on linkedin all the time so people can contact me ask me questions on linkedin and then my book what is your interview identity is on pre-release now mm-hmm. uh first of september is the official launch date and all the books uh, store like amazon uh, so yeah you can pre-order that now mm-hmm. what is your interview identity Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, this really has been fascinating, even though, like I said, I haven't interviewed in 25 years and honest, I hope I don't ever have to interview again. But, you know, it, it is nice, you know, as, as we said, these skills transfer with everything, you know, because you're always being interviewed. Maybe you're being interviewed as a volunteer, you know, all of these various things. And and so it's it's great skills to have and, and to remember so, you know, as I said, you know, I, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fascinating discussion with Chris Delaney. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? The main thing in job interviews is to be a self-promoter. It doesn't matter if you failed in a job interview because there's always another one coming up. Mm-hmm. In that job interview, it's talk about your skills, your qualities and your unique selling point. I love it. You know, and, and practice, 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 folks. Don't don't be so confident that you think I can go in and I'm going to win this job because that attitude comes across really quickly, right? Definitely. I actually did some research on this. Um, people who fail job interviews spend like three to four hours, uh, uh, no, 45 minutes uh, uh, in the job interview. Successful mm-hmm. people spend at least four to five hours uh, in the job interview. I love it. I love it. Well, I am having, you know, such a great time. We'll have to have you on again because you've got such great information. Until then, as you mentioned, your website is employmentking.co.uk because you are in the UK. Um, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fascinating discussion with Chris Delaney. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.